0: Well, good morning. It is great to be out here with you today. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Hillside Assembly. I want to welcome you to Drive-In Church and for all of you tuning in online today. We're going to have an amazing church service. We're excited about where we're going. Transition is in the air and coming in the next few weeks. I hope that you're excited about that. Now, we haven't gotten together for a while. I know you want to do it. I know. I already heard one start to go. Come on. Let's honk and give Jesus some praise this morning. He is good. He is worthy of our praise. If you want to find out more about our ministry, you can check us out on our on the web at hillsideassembly.org. Feel free to uh, comment in the chat below. We'll make sure someone today reads those and gets back to you with any questions that you might have or prayer requests that you have uh, this morning. As far as giving goes, those in our drive-in church service, you can give in our white containers as you exit the building, or sorry, as you exit the service today, or you can always give. Give online at hillsideassembly.org. We're excited because today we've got a good friend of mine. John Paulson, is with us. He is a ministry partner. I know somebody is excited that we've got a missionary with us today. He is going to, he, whoa, everybody's excited. Whoa. Man, it's been too long. I'm going to have to give you guys horns when we come back inside. You all have a Wooga horns. It'll be great. Uh, But we're so excited to have uh, Pastor John with us today. We want to move to prayer before we go go into our opening worship song. We want to pray specifically for uh, across our Midwest, all the way from Texas up to North Dakota, hit very hard by the weather the last week and a half. Uh, Lots of churches, businesses, homes just destroyed uh, with pipes bursting and all sorts of issues there. But I will say this, there's never been a better better time for us to be the church. Just not for Hillside, but across the world. With bigger challenges brings bigger opportunities to share the gospel. And so we want to pray for that this morning. And we also want to pray for Jim, who is uh, Katie's uncle. He has been struggling for a long time And uh, doctors say that this is probably the last week that he'll be here with us on on earth. But you know what? God has great things in store for him. He is a believer. And uh, we have a saying around here that we've said all month long. Uh, We're going to finish February strong. And we want to pray for Jim this morning as he enters into the last phase of his life and he enters into eternity with Jesus to finish the race strong this morning. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to be your people today. God, to stand strong with you. And we want to end February strong. We know there's transitions for us as a church just ahead. Great transitions. And, Lord, you're calling us to reach more people with the gospel than ever before. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunities you're giving to our church. Lord, we pray this morning, God, for across the Midwest. Lord, as they wrestle with these super cold conditions, This morning, so many places uh, just destroyed because of of broken pipes and burst water lines and other things that have happened because of cold conditions. But Lord, where there are great challenges, great opportunities arise. And we pray for your church to be active, Lord, to to be mobile, and God, to be able to go where you're calling them to go, to take the gospel to every single situation and circumstance that's ahead. Lord, we pray this morning for Pastor John. Lord, as he's going to be bringing the word that, God, you would anoint him, we're excited to team up and partner with him and and see transition happen in the continent of Africa. And, Lord, we pray this morning for Jim. Lord, as he is on the last leg of his race, I know for the family, it's a heartbreaking time, but, Lord, we look ahead to the future, and what lies ahead of him is far greater than where he's at today. And, Lord, we pray for him to finish strong to run this last leg of the race with character and integrity and with strength, and that your spirit would be upon him. And that, Lord, when you call him home, that he would be ready to go, and that the family, that, God, they would be comforted by your spirit, by your strength, by your word, and by your people. Lord, we give you praise and glory this morning as we enter into worship. Lord, accept our praise and worship as an offering unto you. If you believe that, church, would you say amen this morning? Robin, would you lead us in a worship song?
1: Let's do it. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. For my devotions this morning was a simple quote in there that said, Jesus didn't call us just to make a living. He called us to make a difference. And how do we make a difference? By learning to rejoice in the Lord always. We're going to start by singing the song, Happy Day. Join with us as we sing it. Way to stay in history, death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal. You have won the day. Shout it out Jesus is alive. He's alive.
2: Day. you wash my sin away.
1: destroy perfect peace earthly pain finally we'll see celebrate Jesus is alive
0: A little bit of praise this morning. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to ask my good friend, John, if he'd come up here. We had an awesome day yesterday. In fact, John was very busy, had an interview with Jeb that we're going to release this week on the Millennium Falcon, I think. You guys had an interview on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it was great. So fantastic. Awesome. That will release this week. Uh, We'll get that up on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Uh, so look for that. And then yesterday, a big day for you, your family and for mine. Yes. Yes, because you had a birthday in your family. Yes. My youngest son, Parker, turned eight. Turned eight. And, mm-hmm. and I had a birthday in my family as well. My yes. wife, I am not going to share how old she is. Uh, it's slightly older than eight. Yes. Uh, but we had a great time yeah. hanging out with each other and connecting yesterday. Man, what an awesome time it was. I know you have a great passion for what God has called you and your ministry team to do. I just want you to know Hillside Assembly is backing you 110%. I already know about what's going on, but these people have not heard yet. So, John, would you come and share your passion with us for what God's calling you to do and anything else that God may lay on your heart to challenge us with today? Would you do that? Absolutely. Awesome. Pastor John, everybody, you're going to enjoy this. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Pastor Eric. Thank you, Hillside Assembly, for inviting me out today. Uh, I, I got to admit, uh, I think a lot of times when you talk to people and you tell them, I am preaching outside in Wisconsin in February in like 30-degree weather, they are not excited generally about that. But I, I got to tell you, I was a little excited. This is a unique experience. And I love, Pastor Eric, I love that your church is getting the gospel out to people in whatever way they need it heard. And so whether that means we're meeting in cars or we're watching online today, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am just super excited to be here today and get to share with you uh, God's word of uh, what he is doing in Africa. And I think what he is doing uh, in our hearts and I think what he wants to talk to you about today today as well. Um, So before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about my family. Um, My wife and I have been married for 16 years. We have two boys, Owen, who's 10, and Parker, as you heard yesterday, just turned eight years old. And we are children's missionaries to the country of Burundi, Africa. And most of the time when I tell people we're going to Burundi, the answer I get is, where's Burundi? I've never heard of that place before. Uh, If you are familiar with Rwanda, It's just south of Rwanda, west of Tanzania and Kenya, um, located kind of right in east-central Africa. And Burundi is about the size of Maryland, but has twice as many people in it. Eleven and a half million people live in this small African country. And uh, my family and I get to go, and we uh, are on our way on a journey so that we can tell them and the kids in Burundi all about Jesus. We'll tell you a little bit more about that, but I never want to miss an opportunity when I am in front of people and, and have been given this opportunity to share the Word of God. And so uh, wherever you are, if you're at home, you want to pull it up on your computer, your phone, um, your, your uh, you know, flesh and blood Bible, uh, if you would open up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want to share with you a little bit about the Great Commission and about Jesus talking to his disciples. This passage that we're looking at today is the last words of Jesus bef- to his disciples before he leaves and ascends into heaven. So if you know anything, right, this is important. These are serious words that Jesus is saying. These are the last things his disciples are going to hear, the last things they may remember from him. So what Jesus is going to say to his disciples is important. And here is what he says. In Acts um, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I want us to understand that Jesus is not giving his disciples a command. He's not telling them what he wants them to do. Jesus is telling his disciples what they will do. He is making for them a statement of when one thing happens, so does the other. In other words, when you receive power, it always leads to missions. You will then become my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I think sometimes in modern Christianity, we put a little too much weight on this idea of someone needing a calling To go somewhere. Pastor Eric we were talking last night. You had a calling to your church. It's important. I I don't want to discount the value of a calling. But I think we need to understand. That what Jesus is saying. Is that if the Holy Spirit. Is living in your life. Then you have been called. To a life of missions. Whether that is missions overseas. Or whether that is missions to our community. And our neighborhood. And I think. We need to realize that when we deal with eternal lives as Christians, we don't get to not participate. We can't just sit on the sidelines, right? Imagine if you would that I am walking by your house with a fire extinguisher, and you come running out. You're like, John, my living room's on fire. I need you to come and help me. And I go, Oh, I'm sorry, that's not my calling. Uh, you know, I'll call a firefighter for you, though they can handle it. And you're like, But, but you know, you ha- you have a fire extinguisher right there. Come on. Come in and, and, you know, handle it. And if we're not careful, we as Christians can live our life that way. We carry with us the life-giving salvation of Jesus Christ. We can't just turn away people who are desperate for his word. And in fact, in Ephesians 4, uh, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. He's not writing to an individual, but he's talking to everybody who hears this. And he shares with them, he says, listen to this, Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called when Paul wrote this letter talking about calling he wasn't just talking to an individual he was talking to the church that is us anyone listening online anyone hearing today in your cars that is us and I think if we're honest we can fall into this trap of reinventing these hierarchies of calling and you know, I've heard this before of, of people with this belief that the first level of calling is our lay people. They're down here. They're not pastors. They're not missionaries. They have a certain level of spirituality that they can obtain to. And then we have this belief, you know, if, if, if we're honest, that there's pastors above them. They're more spiritual. Ooh, you're a pastor. You get an extra set of spirituality. And then above pastors, we, my wife and I get lumped up here. We're missionaries. Ooh, we're even more spiritual. But I think if we're not careful, we use this as an excuse to not participate in the great commission that Christ has laid out for all of us. The question we as Christians need to ask ourselves is not, am I called, but how am I called? In fact, all the time, Marissa and I hear, we hear people, yeah, that's right, give give me those honks. (laughs) Marissa and I, we hear all the time people say, oh, John, I couldn't do what you do. And I tell them, and I go, why not? What is it we do? We are Christians who wake up every day and try to take the next step that Christ has put before us. For us, that next step is leading us to Africa, but that is no different than you and the calling Christ has put on your life for your neighbors, your teachers, your community, your state, or anyone else. And I think if we're honest, sometimes as Christians we allow this idea of a calling to give us an excuse to be lazy in our spirituality. Now, i got to tell you, it's sometimes hard to go to a church and to say this, I- I'm a missionary, I want people to like us, I want people to want to partner with us, to be a part of our calling. You can't just show up at a church and tell people they're lazy. but. I was a children's pastor for seven years, and so many times I heard people say, oh, John, I can't help you in kids' ministry because that's not my calling. And I tell them, and I go, well, did you tell the kids? Because they love you. We have to realize that the call of God to salvation in our life includes with it an inseparable call to service. The question is not am I called, but how am I called? And when I talk about missions, I don't just mean what my family and I do. I mean what every one of us is called to do every day in our life. And God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. And in fact, we're going to look through this passage real briefly today and look at four things that Christ is telling us we need for our mission's life. If you're taking notes, you can just jot these down. They are power, witness, sacrifice, and participation. So our mission's life requires power. In fact, this is the first thing Jesus tells his disciples, but you will receive power. Jesus understands that his calling into our life requires a connection to a source of power. And in fact, we can see it in the life of Peter himself. Because Peter is a man who at one point is denying Jesus three times And then at the next is standing before the Sanhedrin who says, we no longer want you to preach Jesus. And he looks at them and he says, I will do no such thing. When I leave here, I will preach Jesus. What was the difference between this Peter? Power from the Holy Spirit. In fact, it is that power that allowed Peter to look at a layman and said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It is that power that gave Peter the authority to speak into those around him. And it's that same power that lives in us that gives us as Christians the authority to speak into the lives of our loved ones and our family and our friends. The power of the Holy Spirit also drives us to action. It makes it so we can't sit on the sidelines. We need to be a part of what is happening Philip is literally driven by the Holy Spirit to the road where he met the Ethiopian eunuch. We are not bench warmers in the kingdom of God. We take the stage, we step up, and we are called to action. Marissa and I understand all too well what it is like to not have power in your life. So we, we are missionaries to Burundi, Africa. We got a chance to visit there um, October two years ago, 2019. And Burundi is one of the three poorest nations in the world. In fact, less than 10% of their entire country has power. And we were there staying at this place called King's Conference Center, a lovely hotel in their capital city. And they lost power every single day. But they had a generator to run, to keep things going. I mean, that makes sense. If you want to rely on power and you're going to lose it every day, get a generator. Well, the generator only powered the important things, not everything. And we found out what it didn't power when we got up one morning and we went to take a shower. And there was no hot water because there was no power. You see, we noticed the difference in our life that day, between power and no power. And this is one of the things that Marissa and I love so much about Burundi, why we are so attracted to this country, is because they have a leadership team that understands they are connected to a source of power. See, as I said, Burundi is the third poorest nation in the world. They have nothing. Most of their population is underneath the poverty line. And of that, of the 90% of people in Burundi who live under the poverty line, another 50% live under less than 90 cents a day. And so as a church, if they want to accomplish anything, they need to realize that they need a source of power. And their leadership team has a vision for Burundi that far surpasses anything they should have. But they know that they don't need to do it because they are connected to a source of power who gives them so much more than they can obtain on their own. We got to keep moving on. Our missions life also requires witness. Jesus says, but you will be my witnesses to the disciples. And the Greek word for this is the word martis. If, you're, if you want to jot it down, M-A-R-T-Y-S. Martis is the word. And it means to see, to be a part of, to have experienced for yourself. In other words, our calling to witness to others is based on our having experienced Jesus Christ for ourselves and being able to share that experience with others. That's it. It's the difference between I think and I know. In fact, our witness is so powerful to others because it changes our perspective and it changes our life. For Marissa and I, our whole married life, we have been called into missions. In fact, before we even started dating, we were going to North Central, a Christian college up in Minneapolis, and I I talked with Marissa and I said, Marissa, here's the deal. I am called to Africa This isn't going to work if you won't go. Because I didn't want to fall in love with a girl who uh, wasn't willing to go to Africa with me. You see, at the age of eight, I was called to be a missionary to Madagascar. And my whole life was Madagascar, Madagascar, Madagascar. Even before the movie came out and those penguins who probably would have been pretty comfortable out here today. Even before those penguins were there and made the place famous, I wanted to go to Madagascar. And some of you are going, hold up, you're not going to Madagascar. You're real bad at this, John. But what happened was, is we martistic Burundi for ourselves. We experienced Burundi for ourselves. While there in 2019, God began to speak to me. And he said, John, the path to get you to where you are today has never been straight. I will get you to Madagascar, but it won't be a straight line either, trust me. And so we left that trip and I said, Marissa, I don't think... Our first term as missionaries will be to Madagascar. I think God is calling us somewhere else. You see, we had Martis Burundi for ourselves and it had changed our experience and our perspective. And I find every Christian I meet has had a Martis time with Jesus. They've experienced him in their life and it has changed who we are. And that is all that is required for our life of missions is that we have martyred Jesus. We have been a witness of Jesus and what he has done in our life and the lives of those around us. Thirdly, our mission's life requires sacrifice. Oh man, if I'm honest, we don't like this word. Right? It's why we have an indoors. It's why we have air conditioners and heaters. Because we want to be comfortable in our life. Right? Air conditioner is one of my favorite inventions in the world. I, I naturally run hot. I love an air conditioner. But the sole purpose of an air conditioner is to keep us comfortable. But if we're not careful, we will allow comfort to become more of our God than God is. And we need to realize that this word that is used for witness, martys M-A-R-T-Y-S, is also used later and is translated as martyr, M-A-R-T-Y-R. And in fact, this word is used later on when talking about Stephen and the sacrifice he made for Christ. So you see, our missions life does not just require that we have the power of the Spirit in us, it does not just require that we have witnessed Christ's changing transformation in our life, but that we sacrifice for the name of Jesus. And Jesus has told us many times that our missions life is not without pain and suffering. John 16:33, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And 1 Peter 4, 1 says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Um, Our calling into missions is not to be taken lightly and it isn't without sacrifice. For Marissa and I, that means that we are giving up the stuff that we have, packing up into about 16 crates and moving all the way to Africa. We don't want people to feel bad for us or to feel as if somehow giving up of stuff is a sacrifice. Because let's be honest, it's stuff. In fact, we were living in the church parsonage for seven years. And it turns out when you no longer work for the church, they don't let you you live in their house. So we, we moved this past year into an apartment, and we had a moving sale. And we had a garage and a driveway full of stuff. And for three days, we sold stuff. And when it got sold, we would, you know, fill that hole with more stuff. At the end of our three days, we had a nonprofit organization come out and take two pickup trucks full of stuff. And we still have a two-bedroom apartment full. Guys, we we have a lot of stuff. We're just giving, you know, junk up for, for the kingdom. We get to do what we do because, one, the people of Burundi have given up far more than we ever have for the gospel. You see, Burundi is less than 60 years old. And in that time, they have faced two genocides. If you remember the genocides of Rwanda in 1994... Those same two people groups, the Hutus and the Tutsis, live in Burundi as well and have struggled through the same challenges. We, they have had that. They are one of the poorest nations in the world. They have had multiple coups in their government. They had a 12-year civil war that ended in 2005. Burundians have given up and have suffered far more for Christ than we have we will likely get to give up more stuff in order to go and be with them than some of them have ever owned in their lifetime. And we get to go on the shoulders of giants. You see, at the turn of the 19th century, as missions was beginning to spread to all parts of the world, a special breed of missionary started to be formed called one-way missionaries. And these missionaries would buy a one-way ticket to some far-off place and a coffin. They would pack everything they owned inside the coffin and they would take it with them and fly to wherever it was God had called them. One of these missionaries is a man by the name of A.W. Milne. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, aware that headhunters there had murdered every missionary before him. Milne didn't fear for his life because he'd already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years he lived among the tribe. When he died, they buried him in the middle of the village and they put this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. This is the calling for many, to give up their lives for the message of the gospel. We are told in Luke 23 to take up our cross daily. Our mission's life requires sacrifice. Finally, our missions life requires participation. It requires power. It requires, excuse me, it requires power, requires witness, requires sacrifice, and it requires participation. So the question I'm asking you today is who is God calling you to? Who does he, where does he want you to go? We need to remember that Jesus told his disciples exactly what his plan was. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Each group, was problematic in its own way. When Jesus said to his disciples, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, he was telling them, you need to go back into the city of the place where I was murdered at the hands of an angry mob. Judea was the place where Jesus' ministry was rejected. Samaria was regarded at that time as a wasteland of impure half-breeds. Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. They were like oil and water. And finally, the uttermost parts of the earth, Jesus is telling his disciples to go to the Gentiles who many Jews saw of that day as nothing better than fuel for the fires of hell. In other words, Jesus said, you need to go to the places where I have been killed, rejected, who you hate and who you despise. All of them need to hear about me. And you may, have heard it, you may have heard this said before, the order Jesus tells his disciples to go in is important. Right? It starts in Jerusalem where they're at. It spreads to Judea, the outlying area. Samaria is wider than that and then to the ends of the earth. So what does this mean for us as Christians living in America or wherever it is you may be listening, what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying, firstly, we need to reach out to those who are closest to us. We cannot deny our family, our friends, our neighbors. They must hear the word. We must be the light of the gospel to them. But he isn't saying, hey, Your job is to focus on your Jerusalem on that first circle until such a time as there's no more Christians and then you spread out. No, this is a consecutive thing. While you are witnessing to those closest to you, continue to witness in your Judea. Maybe that's your city or your county, right? Oftentimes a, a church is helping us reach our Judea. It spreads our influence, Through the church we can speak and reach to people we may not normally be able to reach and speak to. And then our Samaria is even further out from that and I like to say that our Samaria is oftentimes those in our life who we have looked at and rejected or who we have thought may never be able to know Christ properly. They are oftentimes the women on the street corners, the drug addicts, the homeless, the people who we look by and we reject in our actions. Jesus is calling us to them. And then additionally, he says to the ends of the earth. So what is holding us back? What stops us from spreading the gospel where it needs to go? Let me tell you about Pastor Freddie. You see, Burundi, I've I've talked a little bit about how Burundi is the third poorest nation in the world. It is also the third youngest. Forty-five percent of its population is under the age of 14. Their median age is just 17 years old. They are incredibly young. And Pastor Freddie is a pastor of a church there in Burundi, and he has about two to three hundred kids living in his neighborhood, which is every neighborhood. Burundi is, is, you know, literally half kids. Five million kids live in Burundi. But Freddie had nowhere to put them, and he felt the need to reach them. So, Freddie, by hand, he took mud, water, and fire, and began to make bricks by hand so he could build a building that would be big enough to hold the kids in his community. What excuses do we give to Jesus and tell him, I can't do what you're asking me because my excuses have never started with God. I don't have any building supplies. And that was Freddie. No money, no building, no means of reaching them. And he said, I won't let that stop me from giving the gospel to these kids. So he made bricks by hand. All of us have been called into a life of missions, and all of us have a missions field. It may be Africa, it may be Burundi, it may be somewhere else in the world, it may be your community, it may be your neighborhood, it may be your school, your family members, your friends, but who is Christ calling you to, and how is he asking you to participate? For Marissa and I, we are on a journey now in order to get to Africa, we are Raising funds, and we are raising prayer partners and I would love a chance after service if you're here in a car to connect with you. We have prayer cards we'd love to hand out to you and uh, I, our website can be listed online if you are following online, and on there you can uh, say that you would like to pray for us. you can find out more information about us. We need your prayers. We have some missionary friends in Ukraine. And they were going through a period of tough spiritual warfare to the point of where they could kind of feel it, right? Have you ever been in that spot of spiritual warfare where it just is oppressive on your life? You feel it when you wake up. And what would happen is every day at about one or two o'clock in the afternoon, that oppression would lift and their spirits would lighten. And what was happening is their friends in America were getting up and were praying over them and it made all the difference in the world. So we would love your prayers, and if you are feeling like God is asking you to step up in another way to partner with us, we would love to talk to you about monthly partnerships or a one-time donation. We need partners to get to Africa. That is part of what we do, but more than that, we want people to realize that God has a calling on their life for missions that is not just global, but is local, and is not just for us but is for everyone. So we would look forward to an opportunity to do that. And even if you don't partner with us, partner with someone, a missionary friend or family member, someone who's visited the church before, find a way to get involved, not just through the church, but personally. I can tell you, for my wife and I, our, it, our relationship with Christ changed when we took the step and started partnering with missionaries on our own. And I would encourage you to do the same. Pastor Eric, thank you so much for this opportunity today. I hope you all know that God has called you into a life of missions, and it's a wonderful
0: life. Man, come on. Is Pastor John not the man? Wow, great job, brother, sharing your heart with us. We're going to pray for a couple different things here, three things this morning. One, we're going to pray for an opportunity for salvation for you. Two, we're going to ask John to pray for our church as we move forward into the next days of transition with the number one priority is preaching the gospel and reaching the lost in our communities. Uh, That is the vision moving forward for our church. And so John's going to pray for us in a few moments. And I'm actually going to have Nick Tun. Uh, it's nothing better than a missionary praying for a missionary. I know we didn't talk about this, brother, but would you come and pray for our missionary, John, and his family as they get ready to launch uh, into ministry. So let's pray this morning. If you're, if you're here this morning in our parking lot or online, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know there is a calling. And yeah. Jesus is calling you into a relationship with him. Maybe you feel stuck. Just this morning, I heard a testimony from someone who, who's been in the process of, of Jesus transforming their life in an addiction that they've had for years and years and years. Just two weeks ago, Jesus set them free, and they're walking in that freedom today. Maybe that's you this morning, and you're dealing with issues and pains and hurts, loss in your life, and you know that you need something. Something's missing, and that something is a relationship with Jesus He's calling you this morning. Would you reach out in faith and declare that, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he came, that he died, that he rose again, and he is calling me into a relationship with him. Jesus came to set you free from your sin, but he also came to give you life and life abundantly. I want to pray for you this morning if you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. My life is broken. I got things going on inside of me I can't even verbally explain. The Lord, like Pastor John shared this morning, there's a calling on every person's life. And there is a calling this morning. I feel a drawing, something inside that I can't even explain, drawing me into a relationship with you. So this morning, I say, I do believe that Jesus, you are the son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, and you are calling me into a relationship with you. Lord, help me to start following you. Change and transform my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have uh nick pray for pastor john and his family this morning and what we want to tell you this morning is hillside assembly is excited to partner with you and just not you with your ministry team so we're going to financially support you guys for this venture uh getting you launched for this term not only that but we're also going to take on one of your team members as well and and bless them in the same way for this term and we'll see what the future holds but we're going to help you get to africa um and I want to invest in that. I mean, I believe every life that you change, we get to be a part of that. And maybe in the future, maybe we can take a trip and come We'd down and visit you there. I'll bring Jeb with me. Awesome. And so, Let's uh, do it. We'll, we'll have to look at doing that, John. But I'm going to ask Nick, who's a missionary himself getting ready to go to Japan. Nick, would you pray as they continue to seek the financial resource and the things that God wants to do in their life as they get ready to transition to the mission field?
4: Pastor John was talking a little bit about how when we go out on things that we've been called to, that we have to sacrifice things. But it's important that to know that whenever we sacrifice something, we gain so much with you. Our relationship with you becomes greater and our treasures treasures are stored up in heaven. And And I just know that for every tiny little object that John sacrifices, a life in Burundi will gain immensely from it. They'll gain life with you, Jesus. At that point, you couldn't even call it a sacrifice. And that's why in our Christian lives, we should be so happy when we, when we get the opportunity to sacrifice. And we think about Sorry. just everybody who gets to gain from that. And I'm excited to, to know about to, to, to see and hear about all the people in Burundi who are going to gain so much for, for just so, so little sacrifice on our part, really. And thankfully, we never have to sacrifice the thing that truly matters, which is just a relationship with you, God. We always get to hold on to that and share it with others. And God, I just pray that you help Pastor John reach the people in Burundi, every single person that he comes in contact with, that he can make a difference in their lives for you, and that the sacrifices that he makes reverberate all throughout that nation and touch spirits and bring them alive for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord,
0: thank you. This morning when when you leave, if you would like to financially give uh, to the Polsons, you can do that. Just mark it so or let us know. We'll be out there. You can let us know that's for them. We'll make sure that gets designated online. Uh, You can give at hillsideassembly.org under the giving option. Just make sure in the memo that you put for the Polsons, we'll make sure all of that goes directly to them, helping them get to the mission field. Finally today, we want to pray for us moving forward. Uh, It's a time of transition. There's a phrase that says, the devil's in the details. And I understand what that phrase means. But I want to tell you, Noah, when he had needed the details, it wasn't the devil that was in it. It was God that was in the details when he had to build that ark. We we met this year with uh, uh, these unprecedented challenges. We could have looked at him and complained the whole way along. But somewhere in the course of the events that took place over the last year, we made a decision to look at it as an opportunity. Well, a lot of churches today and pastors that I talk to say we we may have realized we may have missed the greatest single opportunity we had to impact our communities this year, I want to tell you, Hillside Assembly has not. We haven't. We've seen lives changed and people saved. Thank you, Jesus for getting us out of the pew. Maybe it took this to get us out of the pew to realize what's possible. And here's what I know. There is nothing that we're going to face that we can't do now, church. We've done this for a year. There is nothing that we can't do that God calls us to. We should be excited about the future. And today, your board is going to meet as we finalize plans for for, for the next step for us, what multiple worship experiences are going to look like. We've been working very hard, a lot of people, working very hard behind the scenes, some late nights, working on projects to provide a safe atmosphere, just not for you, but for our community, that if they want to come into our building to experience a live worship experience, they can do that and they can be loved. I'm excited for the future and what it holds for us. But I will tell you this, the future is not multiple worship experiences. The future is reaching our communities for Jesus. That is the future. Pastor John, would you pray for us, for our church board, for our leadership team and staff, but also for our church, because we do life together here. We're all in this together. And where God wants to take us in the future, we know this, we have to reach our communities with the gospel. So would you pray for us this morning?
3: Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church and for what they've done in their community, Lord God. God, it's an inspiration to me and to my family to hear the stories of lives changed in the middle of this pandemic. And Pastor Eric, what he said was correct, Lord God. This is an opportunity for your church to move forward, to change lives, to love extravagantly and differently, Lord God. And I pray that the church would be ready for the transition that comes next. Lord God, so often we don't handle transition well. We want to be comfortable. We want to stay where we are. But you call us up to transition to change. Because in that time, in that period of transition, when we're no longer where we used to be and no longer where we are, God, that is when you move. That is when you show up in huge ways, when lives are changed, when relationships are mended. Lord God, is in that transition time when we are becoming who you want us to be. And Lord God, this church is becoming who you want them to be. And God, I pray that as they step into this next period of time, that they would not look back at what used to be, Lord God, but that you would give them Holy Spirit vision of what can be Lord God something far greater than what they can imagine Lord God that this church that the people in it that the leadership team would start viewing things in your eyes or God that they would not be held back by small visions or God but that they would have god sized dreams so that God when when my family and I come back from Africa that this City that Ripon would be known as a Christian city because it was so transformed and so changed by this church and their vision, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to bless them in this time. In the same way they are blessing us, Lord God, we know that you are looking to bless the church. Lord God, I ask that there would be unity. That as members start praying, as leadership starts praying, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak through everyone and that they would all come together and realize that your Holy Spirit has been leading them in the same direction. And Lord God, I ask that they would have the perseverance and the courage to hold tight when things get tough because, Lord God, they always do. But it is in those moments when we get closest to you. And so, God, we pray that not only would the church, or excuse me, Lord God, not only would those outside the church be changed, but those inside as well, as they begin and they learn to rely on you and to trust you in totally new and different ways, Lord God. Thank you for this church, for the opportunity that they have seen in this time that so many churches haven't. Lord God, that they didn't say, woe is me. Life is tough. We can't do church the way they used to. But they said, this gives us a new opportunity to reach people we never have in new ways. Lord God, would they keep that mentality as they go forward? God, church may not look the same. And God, we are thankful that the way they love others for you may not look the same. But would your spirit and your gospel continue to hold true in everything that happens in the future in your name
0: amen amen can we say amen together Robin's gonna. Robin and the worship team are gonna lead us in two songs. Robin will close out service today. I'm gonna let Pastor John warm up for just a moment inside, and then we'll be over by the giving tubes to to so that you can greet Pastor John. Pick up those prayer cards. Please pray for this family. Their mission is so important. Uh, I love you, church. I can't wait for next Sunday for driving church. Let's finish February strong.